Hey there, I'm Chase Ryan, and this is the first ever episode of Gear For You. In this podcast, I get to have conversations with my friends about their lives, the industries they work in, the things they make, and the gear they use to make it. Today, I talked with one of the best guys I know, Chris Cole. He is a director, videographer, and all-around Swiss Army knife when it comes to anything video-related. He's worked with brands like Macy's, Adidas, Spotify, Puma, MTV, TikTok, and artists like Justin Timberlake, Megan Trainer, Austin Mahone, and many more. This guy is so talented and such a great human being. So without further ado, here is Chris Cole. Hey, Chris, thanks for coming on the show. This is the inaugural show for Gear For You. Uh, so you're my first guest. Do you feel honored? Dude, I feel super honored, man. I'm excited. This is going to be awesome. I'm excited too. Like the whole point of this is the conversations that, you know, we have every time we talk or hang out and it is always awesome. And it's, it's just so great to have you on. So first off, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us what you do. And I'm going to hit you with a hardball gear question. All right. So like you said, we've, we've known each other for a while. Uh, we met in Hollywood when you were living out here. Um, mm -hmm. And ironically, I, I, I started off as a dancer, but now I am doing filmmaking full time, um, mostly doing music videos, uh, dance visuals. Um, I do a lot of corporate events as well. I'll do some red carpets and stuff like that. So a little bit of everything when it comes to film. Um, and that includes like working on, on a small, small production, but then also working on bigger productions, partnering up with other people. So do a little bit of everything, but if it involves a camera, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> interested and an expert. Um, so I'm going to hit you with this hardball question. I guarantee, like, don't feel bad. I guarantee you, you're not going to get it. It's, it's extremely difficult Wait, this isn't and trivia. very gear related. Is it? I'm bad at trivia. It's a yes or no question that also has like a, a larger explanation component to it. If you can do it, which you can't, don't feel bad. Okay. Wow. Off the bat, I just Setting want you to know that I still love you. <laughs> don't feel bad. Okay. Here, here it goes. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. What is your favorite road trip, and why was it your bachelor party? <laughs> uh, yeah, my favorite, favorite road trip was my bachelor party, um, mostly because we had a fantastic driver. Um, his name's Chase. <laughs> he, he drove the entire time. No, dude, that trip was amazing. Uh, yeah, that was, that was over a year it ago. It was the best. That was about yeah, if, like 14 months ago, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted yeah, it kind of feels like a whole... I mean, with COVID and everything, I guess it is, but that feels like a whole lifetime ago now. Dude, I've referenced that trip a lot. It really, it really was yeah. one. Like, I can't say it's the best trip because my wife wasn't on it, and if she hears this yes, podcast, she'd be pretty upset. This is, yeah, yeah, that's she. That's, she that's wasn't there, so it's not the best. But excluding yeah. <laughs> my trips with her, it's my best trip I've ever had without her. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about? What's uh what all happened because you started the idea for a lot of that stuff and then the rest of the guys just kind of helped out with you know planning details and stuff like that and everybody kind of took a, a thing. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what all we did? Oh yeah, no. So we, yeah, we were we were in LA and I basically was like I don't want to just go get drunk for a couple nights or anything like that. Like I, I want to go on a road trip and I hadn't gone camping a lot. And a lot of my friends, like we've all kind of camped a little bit, but I was like, if we got all of us and went camping and hiking, that would be the best. Um, and the trip just like, it kind of just evolved. Um, I, I started with a few ideas and then, like you said, everybody chimed in to help work out the details. And so, yeah, we went from, uh, Hollywood and we drove to Utah. We drove through Vegas. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And gosh, I can't remember. Do you remember the name of the place that, that we went to? Yeah, so Zion National Park. It was in Utah. Zion National Park. That's where we hiked. But I can't. What about the place where we did the dune buggies? The dune buggies. Oh, dude. That was outside of Zion. Yeah, that was about uh, 50 minutes. Yeah, it was like an hour outside, drive. Because we had like that. a. That place was nuts. That place was nuts. We uh, we drove, um, what was that, ATVs yeah, they're, around? Yeah, they're UTVs, I think, UTVs. And, UTVs, I mean, there were yeah. just miles of sand dunes. Dangerous, deadly sand yeah. dunes. <laughs> yes. Well, okay, literally, oh my literally that we... Felt like the desert. Did I tell you, a week later, somebody died there. Dude, that kind of freaked me out because the exact same place we were, from the exact same company that we rented our things from, that scared me. I was like, wow. Yeah. I, it puts it in perspective because like you're going really fast up these dunes. And that was the first time I've ever done that. That was crazy. Uh, but it was also so much fun. But like when you told me that, I was like, oh my God, we are we are very, very lucky. Yeah, we could have died. But it was, Especially it was the, way, the way I was driving. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> way you in particular were driving. Uh, it wasn't just me. For it was sure. anybody with uh, my family. Oh, yeah, blood. That, my, my brother was driving pretty yeah, crazy yeah, too. That, that's true. Yeah, he was. He was. But like, what was your favorite part of that? Was it the, the UTVs? Uh, from the whole trip? Because there was a lot of There stuff. were a lot of good moments. The, we hiked a lot. I definitely think, I, I think, if I was ever going to go back and try to repeat something, that that was definitely mm. my favorite. The hiking was amazing. I've done a lot of oh, hiking yeah. though too, so it's not to take away from how beautiful Zion is. It, the national the Zion National Park is is incredible, mm. and I highly recommend it. But the adrenaline rush of the UTVs is just something I haven't experienced. So I think that's that's definitely for sure a takeaway. But uh, this is where I'm going to sound cheesy. But you know, it was the people I was with. Like that, the first night that we got yeah. there, and we just barbecued, and it wasn't even like we barbecued it. We did like like hot dogs and hot links and stuff like that. It wasn't anything great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just had a great time, you know. And it was with my yeah some of my closest friends. You know, you were there, uh, so you count as a close friend, Jace. <laughs> my brother and uh, oh, oh shucks. Yeah, no man, you you're, you're definitely <laughs> like you're right there with just like my my homies and. Yeah, that it was it was great, dude. I loved it. I think mine was um Angels Landing. No, or no, you know what it was? It was the Narrows. The Narrows was The Narrows. We did cr- not have unlike enough time. anything I'd ever. We didn't because it was what? Like uh 15, 16 miles or something. We only went like 5 or something, oh, 5 if, or 6 miles. that. I don't know. We had a backtrack. I thought it was less than that. We did not have enough time though. I, I, I could have gone. It's hard in, to tell because you're swimming day. halfway through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but that was unlike anything. Like you've got water waist high, and yeah, it's just it's incredible. That was that was a lot of fun. Well, dude, you uh, you knocked that that hardball question out of the park there. <laughs> no, you good of, job. You set, dude. you set me up there. It was pretty good. All right, so I guess I want to kind of start at the beginning because when we met you were already an established dancer and you were really, really incredible. Or that's the first time we thought we met. We thought we met the first time in LA, but what we actually met was in uh, Fort Worth in Keller, Texas, at (laughs) at an event that you were dancing at. And I was like at the, the, the event, like volunteering and stuff. So you were already an established dancer. You had already done a lot. Do you want to talk about how you got into dance, how you transitioned a bit into film after that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I do film full-time now, but that was not my intention. I'm, I'm originally from Texas and went to LA to pursue dance professionally. And I did that for five or six years. Um, dancing was great. I, I started off with So You Think You Can Dance, doing the TV show there. And then after becoming um, top 13 finalists on the show, 
I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta officially move to LA. Cause at that time I was still at home just in Texas. Yeah. And I was like, all right, you know, now I've done this TV show. It's, it's, let's do this for real. And it was great. That's something that I'd always wanted to do. You know, I had watched, uh, actually like just Disney channel and seeing people dance on a lot of the, the TV shows that your sister's been a part of and stuff. Like, I was like, oh, I can do that dancing on the shows. Like, yeah, I can do that. I've, I'd been dancing my whole life. So to, to go out to Hollywood, that was definitely a dream. And, and it was working out. I did, I did several TV shows. I did, um, I was on Ellen. I did Glee. I did, um, Bunheads. I did several things. Um, but it was one of those things where, the more I worked on set, the more I became just interested looking at all the the technology stuff and not knowing what it was. I was like, what what is what is this camera thing? <laughs> you know, why does it look yeah, so behind pretty? The scenes. Yeah, all the stuff behind yeah. the scenes. <laughs> all the stuff behind the scenes that you don't see. But um, yeah. So the gear got you. The, it was enticing. Well, the gear the gear was definitely interesting. I was I was just like fancy. What is that? Um, but honestly, yeah. um, I think a big part of the transition was just thinking a little more like further into the future is like, what do I want out of life? And I, for me, nothing wrong with it. I didn't want to do dance, uh, you know, when I was 40, when I was 50, like even, even mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. by the time I'm 30, uh, which I'm 30 now, I was like, I don't want to be dancing anymore for my paycheck. Like, uh, yeah, I told myself if I if I have a kid, I want to be able to go run and play sports with them and and hang out with them. I don't want to be like, oh, I gotta you know save my body for this performance or or be in pain because yeah, this kind of stuff I was doing. I do uh, yeah, fl- flips, tour. flips and tricks, and yeah, if mm-hmm. I did a tour, like a lot of these guys, their bodies they're hurting. I mean, you know, dancers yeah, dancers are uh, when it comes to like physical therapy from injuries. They say that um, every therapist I ever saw, they're like the worst people they see. It goes NFL players and then professional dancers. Like they just oh man yeah. I mean, dancers tear up their bodies. So from from that perspective, I was like, I need something to replace it. And that's I I went on this little journey for about two years. Actually, you might have you were there for a part of that. Yeah. I was trying to sing. Yeah. I was trying to play the guitar. That must have been real painful for you to listen to. <laughs> um, well, I was, I mean, I was encouraged by when you were, I, you were transitioning into a lot of, trying a lot of different things out. You were trying out acting and, and music and stuff too. So like LA is kind of a bit of a, a Swiss army knife. You kind of have to be that when you get here because you don't know what you're going to fall into really, really well for the most part, like you come in being an expert at something already, having your 10,000 hours in dance and, you know, you're on these sets, you see like what, there's a lot of different jobs on sets. Like what enticed you the most? Like what made you want to get into video? Well, see, that's that's what made the, the journey so interesting is I was dancing and I was like, I need to find a replacement. And I didn't know what mm-hmm. it was going to be. And you're right, I, I tried acting and several other things. And so what I had to do is I took a moment to step back and say, what is it that I like about dance? And that's when, because for dance, I was doing live performances as well as working on camera. And that's when I realized uh, if I picked out anything in the dance career that I was doing, I loved being on set. And I said, okay, why do I love Mm. being on set? And it was, I love being a part of a team to tell a story. That's ultimately like, I love telling stories, Mm. um, but I love when you're on crew, everybody, the way it's supposed to be, is everybody's working together. You know, sometimes you don't, you don't get that. And, and some people, I feel like, don't understand that on set. But talent is just as important as crew. Crew is just as important uh, as talent. And so when you have your, your PAs running around getting coffee and, and helping assist everybody, and then you have your director and you have your DP and you have your gaffing and your key grip and, and all these other roles at, at play. And then at the end of it, you know, however long it takes after post-production, you, you get to see that video or you it's played on television. 
that's rewarding to me. I, I think this was a big thing is that those moments are captured forever and you can always go back and watch them. I loved that far more than performing. Like some performers love live audiences. They love stage. That's doing stuff in front of the camera. doesn't do anything for them. For me, it wasn't about the audience. It was about creating something as a team um, and uh, being able to just have it captured forever. Um, and so just knowing that it made it, I, that's when I started realizing, okay, well, what can I do in the, on, on the camera side to help tell these stories? Because um, I also, as a dancer, you know, you, you choreograph and that's the story aspect. I, um, so mm, I, was, yeah. I was just told, I was like, you might, you might be able to direct. And I was like, okay, which I had no idea really what directing was, but I picked up a camera yeah. um, and I started doing photography uh, way before I started doing video. Um, just as a way to like some side cash. It was one of those things. It was like, oh, you know, singer, actor, trying different things, maybe photography. So I had a camera. I was taking uh, taking photos and I was good at it, but it wasn't fulfilling. And it wasn't really until yeah. I hit the record button that I was like, oh, this is awesome. And actually, the first time I decided to hit the record button, that was your wedding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah. I, I felt like pretty honored for that. I was... I was really excited for that because we had even before. Do you remember that other road trip that we we took? You that was at the time where you were really into photography. Oh, that's and right. The entire yeah. trip, yeah, to Oregon. The entire trip, you were taking like pictures, and you were really, really good at it. Uh, but I think the thing that like made me realize that the transition to video is going to happen the most was. Like what you were talking about, there's a sense of community. Like you can be a photographer and be alone a lot of the time, you know, like it could just be, especially if you're in like product or nature photography or something like that, you could be alone like a majority of the time. But, you know, like there's something on sets that you're around a bunch of people all working for the, the same like common goal to like make a vision like actualized. Yeah. Well, and I think for me that the difference between photo and video is that the photo is a still image. And with being a dancer, I, I really do love movement. And so for me, it was like, I was putting all my energy creating a still image. And while that does tell a story and stir emotions, for me, I wanted that movement. I just find movement more interesting. And I think that that was one of the reasons why I got bored with photography. And it's not that photography is easy. It's, I mean, especially the people who are really great at it. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. And, and photography can yeah. be social too. Like you can spend time where you're doing product photography and you're by yourself or if you're doing like weddings and the entire time is very interactive with somebody. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's not the same as, as being on set for me. But yeah, dude, I did a lot of photography before I realized, which actually I think was good. It helped me. I learned the camera. I learned the basics. Even though there's some major differences between photo and video, um, it definitely yeah. set me up in a really good place. Actually, that's... That's a good transition there. Like for video, one of the main things I started shooting immediately was dance. And because I'd been doing so much photography and obviously being a professional dancer, I, it gave me a really strong leg up. Like there are other people who went to film school and uh, they mm -hmm. specialized in a lot of other areas. And they, you know, maybe they, well, they definitely, they definitely knew how to shoot narratives far more than I did. Mm -hmm. But when it came to taking a camera and moving with the dancers, I could basically dance with them while holding a camera, you know? So just, that was kind of my creative yeah. edge that I think uh, people saw that and they're like, oh, I'll give this new guy a chance. Um, so that was my foot in the door for sure is, you know, to start shooting dance videos and started shooting, um, you know, I started shooting events and music videos right out of the gate just because they could see like, this guy, this guy can move with our talent. Um, and that's one of the things like as a performer, I would get frustrated about, you know, you dance and throw, 
everything you have into performance. And then you look at what the, the camera operator got. And it's like, you cut my head off. <laughs> it's like, well, they don't, they don't know how to move with the dancer. You know, what, what do you expect? Yeah, it's just it's yeah, still. Just still or, or handheld. Is that why I feel like a lot of people in dance tend to go into video production. Do you think it's because of that? Do you think it's because they understand the aspects of movement and performance a little bit more? Like when you see a performance that's captured by someone who understands movement, like it's definitely apparent. Do you think that gave you a bit of a leg up on not just dance videos, but music videos and stuff like that too? Oh yeah, definitely. Me being a dancer and then stepping behind the camera, especially if I was filming dance, I knew what the dancer was going to do before the dancer did it. I had uh, definitely over 10 years worth of dance under my belt, um, mm-hmm. five, five of those being professional. So, uh, and even as a dancer, like I, I did ballet, jazz, hip hop. I did a little bit of everything. So I just had such a, an understanding from where my, what my talent was going to do that it made it much easier on my end to then move that camera. And I could capture it, you know, the first or second try where there are plenty of times where I was on set and I'd be either shadowing a DP when I was trying to learn or, you know, even just as talent. And like I said, I, they would shoot five, six times and then they would move on. I'm still looking, I'm like, that still didn't look good. It's just because they don't, yeah. they don't understand the body. But, you know, I get it at the same time. There's, there were other elements. Uh, like if I tried shooting sports, I probably wouldn't. Well, actually, again, just that physicality. I just think dancers are physical people. Yeah. So when it comes to mm-hmm. crew, crew, Crew life on set is a very physical job. Going back to that part where you're saying, why do so many dancers go into uh, filming? I, I think that that's part of it. Is it, it takes a certain person to be on set. You can cruise sometimes on set for 18 hours, 20 hours straight. You know, oh, like, yeah. d- I mean, depending on <laughs> whether if it's a union job or not, it can go even longer. Um, and so, yeah, you need somebody who's willing to put in a lot of energy over a lot of hours uh, and dancers have that kind of in their personality. So I think their personality is fit for it. Um, and then, yeah, definitely when it comes to operating the camera and capturing that movement, there's a different understanding of where somebody's going to move. And when it comes to capturing something the first time, that's really important. If you, can, if you can be an operator and capture, whether it be acting, dancing, whatever, and get it that first performance, that's great because that's organic. Because the second time, and third time and fourth time, it starts becoming, you know, practiced and, and repeated and you lose, yeah, yeah you lose that yeah. organicness to it. So. so when you first started working, actually transitioning into video, you had already had a camera, you had just said, and you were already doing photography. So I'm curious, what did your kit look like Whew. coming into it as like your first kit that you actually were rolling with? My video? first camera kit, my first... Yeah. Woo. Uh, I shot on a Canon T5i. I got it, I think, on a Black Friday sale. And so it came with uh, a kit nice. lens. I think it came with two. I think it came with the standard one and then a telephoto. And then because okay. I was doing the photography, I knew immediately I needed something that had, um, I don't even know if I knew it was called Aperture. <laughs> I was just like, what, what, what do I get? And I, you know, you Google real quick, you find out, oh, you need a Nifty 50. So I got the the cheap Nifty 50 um, Mr. Plastic Fantastic, as they call it. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's a 50 millimeter 1.8. I like that. Yeah, dude. Well, because it's all plastic, but it's the go-to lens. You, yeah. you buy that lens and it steps up your game. People are like, oh, you are you look professional. Um, not not in person, just in, 
in post. Your work looks good. In yeah. person, you still look yeah. like a newbie. Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah, you're still in sweats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was a great camera. I mean, you look at it now and it's, you know, spec-wise, it's it doesn't stand up to hardly anything that cameras can do. Yeah. But it was a really solid beginner camera, for sure. Well, I feel like that's a lot of when... I first started noticing cameras and DSLRs in high school. My friends who did video, that was it, you know? It was that, and then there was like the super, super high-end cinema cameras. So there was like a lot of people trying to find something in between. I feel like there's more of that now. And there's a lot of brands, I think, that have been kind of transitioning, it seems like, to covering every budget of like the gap. And it seems like the video product is just crazy now compared to what we used to have. Who do you think of these bigger brands like Canon, Sony, you know, Red, Blackmagic, who do you think of those brands are like doing a good job at adapting for the better towards those emerging markets? Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, Yeah. When you look back at the history of say, and, and I don't even mean like the entire history, just like you said, 10 years ago, it was you you had a DSLR camera that could barely do anything. And then you had your high-end Hollywood cameras and there wasn't a lot in between. That's that's very true. Um, and then in the past 10 years, each year, there's a new camera, there's a new camera. And originally mm-hmm. I'd say that Canon was the one that was really innovating. Um, a lot of people will, they talk about um, the 5D Mark. I think it was the Mark II. The first one, I don't even think did video, uh, but I believe it was 5D Mark II if I'm right. It might've been Mark III, but um, that was right before I got into video that was like the transition camera where everybody kind of freaked out because they're like, oh, we can take this this camera, this camera that's normally used for photography. It also can do amazing video. And the fact that you had interchangeable lenses, that's when people started realizing, oh, we can get this, you know, Hollywood look by, you know, throwing out the background with this tiny camera. This is, this mm-hmm. is groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, Canon was definitely the one innovating several years ago. And a lot of people, that's, I feel like that's when Canon got a huge portion of the market. It, if you were doing yeah. indie filmmaking, you probably had a Canon because um, they also mm-hmm. had good entry-level cinema cameras too, right? Like what we're talking about yeah. right now is trying to get into film, but you can't afford a cinema camera. So you would get a DSLR camera. This is before they had mirrorless cameras, right? And you'd yes, probably yeah. go for that that 5D um, Mark II. Um, mm-hmm. And so for, for several years, it was Canon, Canon, Canon. And then Sony came along and they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to mix this up a bit. And that's um, when they started putting out mirrorless cameras. Um, and it wasn't just them. You know, you got Panasonic and the GH4, which oh, is also, yeah. GH4 is pretty legendary. Uh, a lot of filmmakers used the GH4 for uh, documentary work. They'd use it for weddings. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's, it, it's, it's so hard to say who's, they take turns as far as who's, who's the yeah. best. They really do. I I was talking to a friend of mine who does film as well, and we were just joking. Like, is there is there one camera that's the best camera? And we're like, no. I feel like all these companies get in a room and they just pick. All right, you're going to be best at you're autofocus. Gonna be yeah. You're going to be best at low light, and everybody picks what they're going to be best at. And they're like, okay, cool. That's what you get for this year. Maybe we'll mix it up in a couple of years from now. So it's like, yeah. depending on what you need, you kind of got to almost jump ship to a whole different brand, or or I guess whatever you find most important. But right now, I'd say the the company that's really pushing, gosh, it's hard to say, um, because it's coming from different areas. So I think Canon is now pushing again. Sony was doing it for the past five years, which is primarily Mm -hmm. what I shot on um, most of the past five years was a lot of Sony equipment. Um, They just, 
they were killing it. They, they had some really amazing features uh, that were really useful. But now Canon is really making some big moves with cameras that are, you know, small. They look like photo cameras, but they're shooting 8K, which is just nuts. But I would say also, if you're looking to be like more on a traditional cinematic side of like, I'm a filmmaker, I, I want to shoot film and not just like a hybrid shooter. Hybrid shooter meaning, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who's doing photo and video. A lot of people are black magic making a lot of noise. Yeah. Um, black magic, uh, what is it? They're, they're 4K the and 6K. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pocket cinema, uh, 4K, 6K, specifically the 6K. I mean, that camera is a beast. Uh, yeah. It's, it's ergonomics are really weird. Um, but it's, it's very powerful. And a lot of people are kind of talking about it from uh, like it's menus and stuff. It's a modern cinema camera. It's, it's so easy to use. You can pick up that camera and learn it in 15 minutes. Like if you already understand film, you can just pick up that and the menus and everything is just like, oh, boom, 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 done. You don't need to fiddle with the camera for two days to learn how to use it versus maybe if, you know, if you're using a, a bigger camera. So that's like going from the bottom up. I feel like from the cheap side upward, there's a lot of stuff. But mm-hmm. um, going back to what you're saying where then there's these high-end cinema cameras no one can afford. I feel like all these companies are also making cheaper cameras because even like Ari Alexa. Um, yeah. Ari, they, they, make, they make really great cameras and they have the Ari Alexa, which is uh, a really amazing camera. And then they came out with the Ari Alexa Mini, which cost, I think, like $60,000, which $60,000, some people are like, oh my gosh, that's crazy expensive. That's actually really yeah, but cheap. Compared to, yeah, compared yeah. to 10 years ago. Like that's... Well, not even just 10 years. I mean, they have other cameras that still cost over $100,000. Like Ari makes yeah. really nice, very expensive Hollywood top-notch equipment. So, I mean, the uh, the Air Alexa Mini, I wouldn't say it's a steal, but it's that's that's affordable for them. And then you look at somebody yeah. like Red. I mean, Red's cameras, you know, they cost sixty thousand um, dollars. Mm-hmm. But over the past three years, they've continued to make cameras that are better and cheaper. Um, specifically, uh, you know, I just bought a Red camera. Um, oh yeah, and it's it's their newest camera. Actually, it's not. It's it's pre-production. Um, they uh, or I guess maybe not pre-production. Not the right word. It's limited edition is probably a better way to put it. Um, it's mm. not officially, you can't officially buy it on their site yet. You had to um, be on a, on a list with Red. And, you know, I, I've worked with Reds for a while now. And um, so I was able to get on that list. And, and it was this camera, it costs under $10,000, which sounds like a lot of money maybe to some people, depending on where they're at. But it's, it's a still for the, the amount of features and everything that it has. Five years ago, I would have paid 30000 you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's nuts. It seems like it's coming from both sides, from a consumer end and then from a professional end. They're slowly meeting each other in the middle. And there really is, there's a camera for everybody, I feel like. No matter where yeah. you're at, there's there's going to, and you're going to be able to create some really great stuff. I mean, even the iPhone, to be honest, like the last um, mm-hmm. iPhone that came out, I, Apple was putting out commercials saying, look, this was shot on iPhone and I'm watching it on the TV. And I'm like, yeah, you I mean, I can tell it's shot on iPhone just because yeah, yeah. after after so many years, you you kind of start you like start noticing, to, yeah. like okay, this there's this and that, and um, there's definitely a way to shoot in in a certain scenario where it's like if it's really bright outside and you're shooting wide open, then it's yeah, I can make my phone look similar to my my DSLR or or mm-hmm. my cinema camera. But if I go and I want to really push it to limits, let's let's do some low light stuff. Let's do some you know stuff yeah. that needs uh, the background blown out, and then all of a sudden you're your phone footage doesn't look that great. But point is, is under the right conditions, you can use your cell phone and it'll look great. Yeah. Well, that actually brings us to our first segment, Happy New Gear. 
Ooh, happy new gear. So I'm going to give you three different price points, and you're going to choose what you think is the best camera and accessory for that price point. Uh, and the accessory can also be a lens or a gimbal or anything. Um, mm. So here's the first one. The first one is the the Weekend Warrior at $1,000. Ooh, Weekend Warrior, $1,000. Okay, gotcha. I actually get asked this question all the time um, from people that they're like, oh yeah, I want to get started in it. And the first thing I do is I got to get to know the person a little bit because I have two mm -hmm. answers for you, if, if, if I may. Okay, you know, if I yeah, you're going to break the game. Answers. You're breaking the game, gonna break but it's the okay. Game. No, that's good. I'm going to break the, the game. It's the first time this game answers. has been played and it's already, it's already over. <laughs> I have to, I'm sorry. All right, because to <laughs> go me, for it, go for it. when you're talking $1,000 less, there's two, there's two categories. There's the person mm -hmm. who is actually willing to invest and learn and they're... They're hoping to make a business out of this. And they're the person who I'm going to recommend getting, actually getting some real gear that will teach yeah. them the skills of how to become a cinematographer. Um, and then there's the other person who ultimately really just wants to get better video content for yeah. whatever it is, whether it be for business or if it's just for Instagram or, or anything like that. So like 80% of the time when somebody asks, says they have $1,000 to spend, I just tell them to buy the nicest iPhone they can or, or like you know, <laughs> the iPhone? a okay. pixel iPhone or Pixel yeah, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, because because there's so many things to learn besides the camera when it comes to saying you want to shoot. You know, mm -hmm. you got to learn how to edit. A lot of people don't even have a nice enough computer to edit really big files. That's something that, yeah. you know, people don't think about. And there's, you know, there's storytelling aspects. And there's also just like getting out there and actually doing it. So why drop mm -hmm. $1,000 on a camera? Because most people, they do this. They'll buy a camera. They'll fool around with it for maybe six months, maybe a lot of times less than that. And then yeah. it sits on a shelf or they'll sell it. And that, you know, that's part of figuring out, you know, who you are and what you want to do. I did the same thing, right? Before I figured out I want to do film, I bought a guitar and it, I mean, I still have it and just sits collecting dust. So I get that yeah. that's part of the journey. <laughs> um, but well, that's it's why not, I tell it's people- It's not useless. It's a prop now. It's a prop, you know? right? You've got, yeah. <laughs> that's true. You I should make a video. You can put that in almost any shoot in the background. <laughs> I should have make a video of myself <laughs> pretending to play and just overlay somebody else playing. Maybe you you play the guitar and I'll yeah. record that. Make me make me look awesome. But yeah, no, like I just I think most people they need to just find out if they're serious or not. And part of that is being inspired to film. And if you have to learn how to use a camera versus shooting with your cell phone, cell phone is. Mm -hmm. It's kind of dummy proof, uh, and I don't mean to be insulting, yeah. but it's what it does is it takes out the learning curve of how to shoot, and it just it puts you in the creative process. I went out shooting with a buddy, and I had you know my DSLR, my T5i, and I'm shooting photos, and he was shooting photos on his phone, and he was moving so much quicker. So, and he was just able to focus on being creative, and he was learning um, really about you know framing and and how to capture. He was learning everything else except for the technical side of the camera, which yeah. I think that's where most people, they need to figure out, do they, do they love that art? Because there's one mm -hmm. thing to learn a tool. There's another thing to learn the art behind the tool. And so for yeah. a lot of people, I'd say, yeah, just buy the nicest camera you can in a cell phone. Because here's the great thing. If you don't enjoy it and you get tired of it, you have a great cell phone. You still have it's a like, cell phone. Yeah, yeah it's that's a good investment in my mm -hmm. opinion. And that's, that's for 80% of people. Now, some people, like where I was at, where it's like, no, I'm really serious. I want to learn the technical side. I want to get into gear. This is where it's really hard. I would say if I had, just, just to play the game right. Yeah. I would say I would get the, probably the nicest Sony I could get for $1,000 with um, a kit lens or their version of a nifty 50, whatever the, a 50 millimeter lens would be. Um, so so what, I think right now that's like- 
I think the A sixty four is technically a little over a grand. A little over a grand. I think it's twelve. Is right it now. with a kit? Oh, with a kit. Wow, yeah. Okay. Now, if you can so get what, it used, sixty three or something. Yeah. Yeah, the sixty three is not as good, but yeah, yeah probably yeah, okay. probably the sixty three. Because I'm trying to play the game right. Yeah, for a thousand yeah, yeah, bucks. Yeah, no, no, I get it. Six, yeah, because you have to do an accessory though too. But if you get, if you if you just get base camera for the sixty four hundred and the lens, I, I, honestly, the, still, kit, the kit lens, that? yeah. I think yeah. okay. That's a. I think that's a great. That's a great answer for the person who knows that they like video, but they want to get better. That's the one. And for the person yeah. who just wants to find out, that's they go for the iPhone, huh? Yeah, I think that that's the cheapest camera that can still qualify as professional. You can still use yeah. for professional use. Like if you gave me a sixty four hundred today, I could still work with clients right now and get pump out really great work. Yeah. It's a little yeah. harder to do that with some of the other brands, just because it's like they might not shoot four K or they might not have as good a low light. But there's also, you know, there's really great autofocus. Skin colors yeah. maybe not as good, and you know, everybody's like, oh, Canon this, Canon that. So you could get away with some can- other other Canon equipment. The the part time enthusiast is the next one. So this is someone who knows they like video. They've already gotten the iPhone, and they know they like doing video. They want more control. They want to understand and learn. But maybe they're not getting enough gigs right now to completely just go in it 100%. And their budget is $2,500. Gotcha. Okay. No, $2,500 is great. I might be giving you a different answer than what you you would think here. So yeah, if you got, okay. yeah. So we said if it's $1,000 and if you can go for the Sony A6400, I would say if your budget is two and a half, I would probably mm-hmm. keep the camera that I recommended. I'm, I'm still going to say go for the Sony okay. A6400. And this is where I'd start playing around with accessories. Um, you know, I'd buy yourself some better lenses. Um, so if you hit, maybe, I think I said before you had a kit lens, right? So maybe oh, you've got one accessory, my friend, you've got oh, one I camera can, on one accessory. Oh, I can't, yeah, you I got, can't bump it. my kit up. No, you can't bump it up. Apologize, but that's it. So this is the, this, this Wait, is the guy that, that wants work, the best. How's that because work? Because they're, because I can't, that, <laughs> it'll, my, my accessory will always be a lens. Uh, well, I, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I, I mean, well, I can't be, be like a gimbal and a camera and then I have no no lens. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Man, yeah, come it's on. Gotta, I mean, it's pretty much... Well, <laughs> but you can say like if if the kit, if it comes with a kit, if the camera comes with a kit, then you can just be like, uh, keep the kit lens, you know? So... Oh, well, that's fine. If we're going to package it together, I can go on B&H Photo. Yeah, but you got to hit 2,500. I can get a nice kit lens, you <laughs> know. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say I would, you know, splurge and get like a gimbal or something like that. Um, start adding in other accessories because that's because that's my real answer. If you want to start work, you you need more than one. You would get the you need you need more tools. There's more than okay. just a camera to film, and I think that's that's one of the big things here is is to shoot a good film. It's not about having a nicer camera. It's it's about having an understanding that film works, which is it's about lighting, right? So you need to have lighting yeah. you need to be able okay. to add motion so that's really i mean that's my honest truth like if i was going to answer All right, it so then from from like helping a helping a newbie out who's like yeah i want to start a business i wouldn't yeah. i would buy more accessories and less less of a nicer right. camera would you get something like the the 6600 that has a, a wider feature set like a, a bigger battery 6, that kind 600. of stuff let me look at that real quick yeah i mean i think me it's seconds. 1400 maybe something we'll see how the audio guy if he got this what are we? What are we at right now? The sixty? No, the sixty-six hundred. Oh, I was right. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. good. Nice. Okay. No, it's good. Yeah, I would get that and maybe get yourself a, a really solid uh, kit lens. Um, okay. 
that's including a kit lens at, at the that price. So you could get more. Yeah. So I'd probably if I if my lens doesn't count as my accessory, I'd get that plus a gimbal. Okay. So you get that plus a gimbal. Mm-hmm. And I would probably go. I mean, uh, you still have more money right now. You know, just that the just that the 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 camera and the lens you're at what fourteen, and you got still a thousand to go. Yeah. So, well, can I keep adding gonna, in, or is it limited? to Yeah, the you can keep adding in. Okay. Let's let's do let's do it. We're gonna we're gonna allow it. We're gonna on all right. this one. He allows it. We'll okay, allow cool. It. Sweet, sweet, sweet. All right. So yeah, we'll go with that camera. We'll go with breaking 66. the game, Chris. Sixty six is good. Um, yeah, I don't I don't mess with the the smaller cameras anymore now on my production. So mm-hmm, most of yeah. my time, you know, I'm looking at cinema cameras, but looking at the sixty six, there's there's a lot of good reasons to go for that camera. My my gimbal's gonna be. I'm gonna recommend the. The Ronin S. And I know they make a smaller one. Don't mm-hmm. get the smaller one unless you're planning on traveling a lot. And here's why. You're going to grow. Whenever you're picking your, your camera gear and you start taking it seriously, I think the thing that's important is remember where you headed. And it's hard to predict that, but trying to buy stuff that's an investment. So I think one of the big mistakes is people try to buy gear that it's like, oh, well, this is within reach or, oh, this is really compact. Don't worry if it's compact unless, unless that's actually mm-hmm. important. And it's like, oh, no, I really do travel a lot. The reality is you need to buy the best gear that you can. So I would buy a Ronin, yeah. Ronin S. It's a bigger gimbal. It's heavier, sure, but it's a better gimbal. It's more powerful. And if you get a heavier camera in the future and, and you know, if you want to put a shotgun mic and other stuff on there, whatever you want to do, it's going to be able to handle it. So I would go with that. It's a really, really great gimbal. If not, Xeon Crane makes a lot of great gimbals. And I think they're a little bit cheaper too. Um, and so you could actually get... What is it there... Let's go with Xeon Crane, actually, because this person, I'm not a limited to accessories. I'm just limited to budget, right? So I get a Xeon. Uh, yeah, yeah. Z- yeah. You're not limited to accessories, just budget. So, oh, oh, I just got excited. All right. So Sony <laughs> A66, get that camera, get a kit lens. So you're at 14. Yeah. You kit, yeah. So you're at, with the with a gimbal, what's that, 400? Four or five? Uh, yeah, it's going to be about Ronin? four. four well, I think the Ronin might be closer to six, but I'm going to go with okay. the... Um, let me look it up real quick. Crane. So let's let's call it 2,000 just for the halibut. Sure. If it's six. Um, so you're at 2,000. You've got 500 bucks left to spend. What are you putting in, in this kit? Actually, I might do I might do a shotgun mic. Shotgun mic? Yeah. Okay. Well, because depending on what you do, you need, a, you need a little bit of audio. Got to step up that so audio again. So just like again. a... Just like a, a like a cheaper one, a road yeah, mic, or you're honestly, trying to finish I would get, the budget. I would do a super cheap one, um, like the the yeah. road. It's I think it's sixty bucks. Uh, the road yeah. road go microphone. You plug it right on top. I think that's great. Um, <clears throat> where where I'm at? That's like I still got four hundred left. The, oh, that's where I would buy the fifty. Yeah, it's the four hundred. The fifty millimeter lens. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, you you got it. That's the rest of it. So the last one is the full-time pro. This is the person who has like quit their day job, is going in at 100%, like has gotten some, has a reel now, has like a decent amount of time in it and understands his part-time enthusiast camera really, really well. What What's he, what's he getting for $5,000? $5,000. God, oh, I hate these questions because it puts the first thing... <laughs> I always want to start with the person. Like, what is what? Yeah. What are you interested in? Who's you. your client? Say it's you. Say it's me. God, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, for five thousand, yeah. Again, like I would try to keep my budget for my camera close to two thousand dollars, just because I, I want to put as much as I can into other accessories that I need. So, um, I would probably get a 
again, I'm a Sony guy, so it's probably the A7 III. Um, A7 III? Yeah, okay. Sony A7 III, because it's just a solid camera. I would I would get that. Um, Are you getting the... The S just came out, right? The, the S came out, but it's it's that's it's too gonna much. That's going to be over budget? I mean, it's going to be... Yeah. Well, it's not over budget, but I think that's three, well, how much, three and a half. It's three and a half. But... Here's okay. here's why. But say say that this guy is the pro though. Maybe he's got already some of the smaller accessories. Say he's got like the Rode video mic. Well, no, because here here's where stuff. I go. So yeah, now that's... now we need to get real lenses. So I would get okay. I would start getting G Master lenses. Um, and uh, the main reason why I know a lot of people like you can get cheaper lenses or you can get lenses that um, uh, you know don't have autofocus. But to me, that's that's the silliest thing. When you're working with these small cameras, part of it is using these what you would consider hybrid features it's like oh autofocus that's mm -hmm. not cinematic it's like mm, yeah sometimes autofocus is a brilliant thing in fact a lot of cinema cameras are starting to have autofocus because it's just so good so mm. um i would probably go for the 24 to 70 g master lens it's a 2.8 that lens costs 25 2500 <laughs> nice it's a, it's you, very you expensive your, lens. <laughs> yeah, that's your whole budget right now. You just you just maxed it with the. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I have a few dollars though. left. I have a few few dollars left, but yeah. <laughs> okay, what are you gonna spend with your with your two hundred dollars? Um. Well, honestly, I would. Yeah. Uh, At that point, are you getting a, a light? Do I already, do I already have some of the other accessories? I I would say, probably, say you have some of the smaller stuff, like you got the video. If, if there's any way I could get a gimbal a gimbal under my belt, I would just because mm -hmm. a gimbal okay. is not designed for every purpose, but mm -hmm. you can cheat it and you can use it for a lot of things. I mean, it would be amazing to get a nice tripod and and so many other things. But um, yeah, with that particular camera and lens, I I still use that today for a lot of jobs, yeah. especially if so, like music videos and stuff like that. You might want to go like the Blackmagic. Um, 6k route oh, yeah the 6k yeah the problem the reason here's why i don't recommend that camera for a lot of people is uh, that camera i think is maybe two thousand dollars but then they have mm -hmm. they buy so many parts to rig it out that you're gonna ah uh, i mean you can rig it out to the point that then yeah it'll be it'll be about four or five thousand dollars so you, you could go that route um but i think from just being compact and being able to handle any situation you're going to be better with Sony mm -hmm. because it's it's the low light. Like, yeah. I I can walk into a room, honestly, even with my red. If you said you're going to walk into a room and you're going to have to shoot something, I have no idea. We're not going to tell you anything about what what's happening in that room. What camera yeah. are you going to bring in? I'm probably going to bring in the A7 III or or now that they have it, the A7S III. I'm going to walk in the room with that with the nicest lens I can because that thing can mm. basically see in the dark. I've got autofocus if I need it. Handheld is good. Yeah, Panasonic GH5, they're they're the best in the market for handheld, but there's their autofocus sucks. And so it's like to be able to just know I need to be able to walk into the room and do my job to the best of the ability. That's one of the reasons why I go to go to Sony. Are my colors not as good as Canon? Sh no, not out of camera, but I can easily tweak that in post. In so, post, yeah. Yeah, like uh, there's been plenty of side-by-sides now. Like you used to, that was the main thing. Everybody's like, don't go Sony, their colors suck. And that was a true statement for a long time. It's, I don't think that's true anymore at all. If you know how to, how to color grade, you can make your footage look really, really great out of a Sony. And actually, mm -hmm. the in a side-by-side -side comparison, you can't even tell uh, if you color grade them the same. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say that for that third kit for the professional, go for the A7 III. Um, 
and then getting yourself like a G Master level lens. Maybe the, if you like shooting wide, go with the 16 to 35. Personally, I like having the longer reach. So I do the, um, the 24 to 70. And yeah, like I said, that's most of your budget there. If you can throw in a gimbal, uh, if it, you know, even if you got to buy it used, do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's a powerful setup. Awesome, man. Well, that's a, I think that's a great rig too. Yeah, you absolutely killed this segment. That was Happy New Gear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sorry I went a little bit long. It's, it's so hard. No, it's okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard to just narrow to a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the most important things to, to keep in mind when you're picking out gear, whatever package and budget you have, is you got to ask yourself, what are your clients looking for? What do they work with? What do they want? You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. the people I work with have Sony. So it's, that's an easy thing. But if most of the people you're around um, are Canon people, uh, go with Canon. Like Canon has amazing, uh, amazing options. Their mirrorless lineup now is is giving Sony a run for their money. So, um, mm. look at what you, what your community has around you, what your clients are are interested, um, and then definitely look at what's what's important to you. Do you like autofocus? Do you like skin colors? Because each one of these like camera different camera companies specialize in something different. You know, um, it, do you like dynamic range? It's it, pick pick what you think is most important and just go with that. So it's what do you need? What do your clients need? And then it's also where are you headed? You know, if you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I really love this camera. It sounds great. It's everything I wanted, but it's out of budget. Okay, well, buy gear that's, that's the same brand, but cheaper. And then as you build your kit out, you're investing in stuff that will match that dream camera, right? Like if you want, mm-hmm. you want a nicer cinema camera that's Canon, well, buy a cheap Canon camera and all your glass that you buy will still work on the more expensive camera as you slowly upgrade. So I think those are the, the yeah. important places to start. You just bought a new camera, right? Is that where you started in your head? Were you like, what is everyone using around me? What are people asking for when I'm getting hired? Are those the questions you asked for when you got your red? Yeah, so for my red, that's a big part of the decision actually. So in the beginning, like I said, I started off with Sony. Well, I started, I started off with with my Canon, but I, my second camera was Sony and I've stuck with Sony since. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that was my community mostly shot Sony. Um, the jobs that people were asking for, it just, it checked all, all the boxes for me. Um, but long-term thinking like, okay, what, what do I want? And I was looking, to me, Sony wasn't really the option. They, they make, so I'm looking at like a $10,000 range for my budget. Mm-hmm. What, what can I get for 10, 10K? Um, people aren't shooting on Sony that much in the 10K budget. They're shooting on mm. really a lot of Canon, uh, C300, C200. So I, I already, for the past two and a half years, was like, man, I'm probably going to need to switch over to Canon. So I haven't been investing in Sony oh. for a while because I was thinking the, the next place for me is going to be that. Because they, they have good mm. Sony cameras, but I just don't see people, again, in my community using them, which means if I get hired on a job and they go, oh, cool, so we want you to shoot this on this more expensive camera. It's like, yeah, I don't own that. Oh, I, sh- I mostly shoot on the Sony. Then they're like, uh, you know, unfortunately it's, it's so sad, but sometimes you get hired for your gear more so than your talent. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand, right? It's not just the gear. It's the user's relationship to the gear. You know, you can have a C300 and not know how to shoot at all on it. And like someone on an iPhone could be it. But at the same time, if I had a dollar for every time someone asked for a specific microphone and like, hey, do you have this microphone? People have ideas in their head what they want the end product to be. So they'll just ask for what they think will get them there. And that's why I went with Red. 
like, mm-hmm. to, go, to answer your question, like red has that name to them. When you say yeah. red, people immediately think quality. I, I was talking to a friend the other day and she was just like, yeah, I really want to step up my game on my next production. I think, you know, whoever I hire, I think I want to shoot on a red. And I'm like, you just mm-hmm. shot on, on this other camera and it was great. Like, and she's posting on YouTube, she's posting on, on Instagram and the quality looks fantastic right now. I, I know that shooting on a red is not really going to change it for the kind of content she's creating. It's like, it's waste. Yeah. It's honestly, it's wasted money, but mm. it's that brand recognition. It's like red means high quality. It means better colors. It, it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, Hollywood uses red and that's, that's a thing. So yeah, I, I definitely went with that knowing again, my clients, that's what they want. And then from like a user, you know, what's important to me as a shooter. Like when I said, when I walk in the room, I want to know I can shoot anything. And for a lower end budget project, I'd, I'd definitely choose Sony because I could, you know, that low light is really important to me and autofocus and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. For, but for when we're talking cinema cameras, there are other things that start coming in play, like whether it has built-in ND filters, built-in audio, stuff like that. Well, I don't necessarily need those features. Um, but one thing that the Red has, really great color, and then it's shooting, um, it's raw, I think, the best out of any camera yeah. company out there. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much... You can you can go back and change this. I don't think people know this. You can change your ISO in post. You can change your Kelvin wow. in post. So if it's, I don't want to <laughs> say it's dummy proof because it's not. I mean, you can yeah. definitely. I've seen a lot of bad red footage out there. But if you know how to shoot and and then edit, you're going to be able to pull so much out of it. And then the big thing right now is also the dynamic range, right? Like there's mm-hmm. other cameras that can shoot 6K, 8K. You know, that's that's not that impressive anymore. There's a lot of cameras that can shoot yeah. with these higher numbers, but. One, it's the quality of the 4K, right? Like my 4K on my cell phone is not the same as the 4K on a red. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> they don't look yes, the same. But yeah. the number 4K almost doesn't mean what it means anymore. It's kind of been those numbers have been warped. Yeah. But there's other things like dynamic range. There's 15 stops of dynamic range, which that basically has to do with your highlights and your shadows. So if I'm in a in a situation like I'm shooting in the forest, right? And so you have mm-hmm. the sun's coming through and some parts are blown out, and then you have your shadows and it's dark. Well, in post, I'm going to be able to recover that and pull it out so it looks more like what we see with our eyes. Because our eyes are amazing. Yeah. Our eyes, we're able to see that and, mm-hmm. and process it and it doesn't look weird. But I'm sure you've done that where you've, you're like, oh, this looks great. And you pull it out. And next thing you know, it's like, well, part of it looks good, but part of it's really blown out. And you can only yeah. do that, fix that so much with certain cameras. Well, red is the most forgiving with that if you know, you know again, how to shoot it. But um, even more so, I should say how to edit it because... You have all the options. That's how I feel about it. Red, red gives yeah. you all the goodness, all the options. All the goodness, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, and you're right. There's also client concerns to think about and standardization like Netflix's. Yeah. Is red, I think still like a lot of companies are like, we have to shoot with this. It's kind of a continuity thing now because every camera seems to have a different style. You can tell when something's shot on a black magic. Yeah. Do you think that that's going to continue to be a thing or do you think because in quality like a lot of these cameras are getting better and better do you think that it's going to stop mattering as much which camera people are, are using as long as they're getting the uh, the results or do you think that that's something that's that's going to continue yeah no it's it, it's hard to predict but i've definitely been on sets where it's both i mean even even netflix uh it's interesting so here's the thing with the netflix a, a lot of people they're you know it's netflix to prove what that means is it a Netflix approved camera is that Netflix has a list of what they call approved 
for their original series. But that doesn't mean I can't shoot on a different camera and it go on Netflix. I mean, they do a lot of acquisitions too. So it's like they have no control over stuff that's out of production. Right. Know? Yeah. If they just buy a, a show that somebody else produced and exactly. it, you know, they yeah. buy it like, um, what is the Down to Earth um, that came out as this documentary series? I think they're shooting on Red, Canon, and GoPro. Like it's three very different oh, cameras. Yeah, yeah. And you, you see that all the time, especially for documentaries. Like they just got to- For docs, yeah. Yeah, they just got to make it work. So um, I think people are going to continue to do whatever they need to do to get the job done. But that's why I say mm -hmm. it's really important to try to know who your client is. Um, because certain clients don't care. Um, but most, yeah. most clients are going to have their bias of what they think is good. And it's really just going to come from their, their experience, right? That's why I say it's always important to see what the community around you is using and what uh, your clients are expecting. Because they, your clients, I think that will continue to be a thing because they don't really know how filmmaking, they don't know the process of it. All they know is this looked good and they're going to associate whatever camera or whatever they had with that experience and mm -hmm. think that's what's qualified to get that. That's part of the reason why, even though I do good work, if a client brings me in and they're like, oh yeah, so we shot on Sony FX9, um, you know, do you work with that camera? I'll say, yeah, because I have, but I'll also, I, yeah. even though I don't own it, I'll rent it out. I'll go and rent mm -hmm. what they want because their hangup is they think that the quality came from the camera. It's a tool. So some of it is the camera, sure. But the quality yeah. comes from my ability to use that tool. To use it. Right. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I, I always try agree. to... Um, create the, I mean, I don't want to lie to anybody, but I, I try to bring the confidence. I was going to say illusion, but I try to bring the confidence that like, yeah, if you need that camera, we can absolutely, we have access to it and, you know, I can shoot and make it work. And so a lot of times I'll even, I'll rent a camera, even if it means taking it out of my budget a little bit, I'll rent it a couple days early if mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with it, just so I know that I feel good about that camera. And then I'll shoot it on the FX9 or, you know, whatever camera. Because when you start understanding how film is, a lot of these cameras are very similar. They just have their strong yeah. points. And that's really, you know, knowing what their differences are, it, they just become, they're all just tools for me. From a client perspective, mm -hmm. they give it too much credit. And that's where I think brand is always going to matter. Um, you know, and that consistency. Mm -hmm. And it is easier if you're on set and you have a multicam setup. It's, it's always nice having the same exact camera. And if not, at least the same brand. Because it does make it easier for the editor. They're not going to have to worry about changing colors. And it just makes it, makes it easier in post. So you think that when someone who's like, thinking about swapping ecosystems. Maybe like you, they bought into Sony and they're diehard about it. Do you think that that's probably the chief concern? Because like you had to go through that. Like, are you now reconsidering Sony after this red swap? Yeah, I definitely think there's there's fear behind swapping from one company to another. And there really shouldn't be. I mean, I've been scared <laughs> this entire time. Every time I bought a new piece of yeah. gear, it's, you know, yeah. it's always a step forward. It's like, <laughs> Oh wow! I'm about to spend. I buy my first camera. I'm going to spend seven hundred dollars on a camera. Am I nuts? Now I'm like, oh, seven hundred dollars? Yeah. That's a steal. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like yeah, it's funny so, how that perspective changes, right? There's always there's mm -hmm. always this fear. I mean, the first time I rented a camera, I was shaking in my shoes, just like, oh my gosh, like I don't know, what if I break it, or you know, I'm not going to understand it, and I'm going to shoot bad. And mm -hmm. ironically, the first time I rented a camera, I didn't know how to use it. And the shoot was terrible. And we actually had to do a reshoot. It was terrible. Oh, really? It was, yeah. It was really bad. I was super embarrassed. Luckily, I, had a, I was working with a great client. But, um, you know, you're going to make mistakes along the way. Um, yeah. You know, the best you can do is obviously find some mentorship, find, uh, you know, perspectives of other people. But when it comes to switching from one camera to the next, 
it should be you know setting down one tool and picking up another tool. Yeah. That's where it should be. And if you don't have that confidence, that just means that there's a learning curve there is recognizing mm-hmm. that um, that fear doesn't need to be there and you need to figure out what is it about the tool that am, I'm intimidated about and, and master that because there shouldn't be. Now, financially, that's something different. And that's where I'm at right now mm-hmm. is now that I have a RED, um, but I also have all the Sony equipment, none of my Sony glass will work on the RED. And so I know a lot of people when they bought into Sony, they kept Canon glass and they adapted it. Um, yeah. And so for those people, like it's it's an easy switch. They they could keep, like, I could do that same thing. For sure, but yeah. I, but I like my autofocus. I like, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of features when you have the lens matching the body that I think are important. Um, if not, like why not just buy cinema glass, you know? Um, yeah. Even, even cheap cinema glass and, and just pull everything manually well there's i think there's pros and cons to both and i want to always have as many options as i can so i usually try to go with native glass um so now knowing that i can't use my sony glass i might switch to canon i might sell everything off and that's you just, might. yeah i might i might because to wow. me when i look at sony and look at red i'm at a place now it's like a lot of those things don't don't matter to me because i know how to shoot i i have the confidence in myself yeah. it's not it's not confidence it in the gear yeah Everything translates yeah. over. It's like, okay, so the red uh, for Canon, what are they good at? Better skin colors. That'd be awesome. Less post work. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not as good in low light. So I need to light a little bit better. You know, like there's these little yeah. trade offs that I'm like, okay, I might have to work with that in this area. Am I okay with that? Sure. They just become choices. Um, so, yeah. And, and also, like I said, I think earlier, uh, Canon is coming out with some really incredible cameras right now. So I might, I might just switch. Purely just so that then anything I buy that is Canon will, any of those lenses I can put on my red um, versus buying yeah. two, two sets of lenses because I have two different systems. Like, I don't know, it just seems like a waste of money. So I might, I might <laughs> switch. Uh, I don't know though. I mean, Sony just came out with their new camera, right? The A7S yeah. S3. The A7S3. And I'm just yeah. like, man, now is not yeah. the time to leave Sony. <laughs> that camera's amazing. They knew amazing. they did it on purpose. They that did. always happens, though. That's, they it did. literally always happens. You decide to like go into a different uh, different ecosystem, and somebody else comes with something that that makes you think. You know, yeah. but like those are all concerns, I guess, for swapping ecosystems. And I feel so. Does Canon cut well with Red? Is that another chief reason? I think yeah. I think Canon and Red. Um, I, there's some differences for sure, but when when you're editing it together, I think that their colors are a little closer out of camera. Okay. Um, but that being said, like Sony's is just getting better. And if you shoot in a flat profile, if you're shooting log for any oh, yeah. of these cameras and you know how to properly color grade, you're going to be able to get them pretty close. Obviously, the best scenario would be have multiple reds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but yeah. not everybody can afford That's not, that. Not as practical though. No, uh, it's it's definitely yeah. I mean, not. it's nice to have something small, like you were saying, like something smaller. That if you wanted to just like, if someone dropped you into a situation, it was like, hey, just bring something. We need to shoot. Being able to have a smaller format camera that you can just kind of take. Yeah, it's good with low light and well. And, focus. and personally, I'm I'm a big believer in if you can have two, have yeah. two. Like have not not two necessarily of everything. Like your lenses usually aren't going to break. But I I, I think mm-hmm. with your cameras, if you can own two two cameras that are a little cheaper versus having one expensive one, it's usually better. Um, better, yeah. Now, the reason why I didn't bother doing that with the Red is I'm mostly going to shoot music videos with that. Um, yeah. Creative content and a lot of that stuff I'm only using. It's a one camera setup. Um, so I don't mm-hmm. need that. 
But a, a lot of times, when, especially when you're first getting started, you might be doing events, you might be doing weddings, you might be doing talking heads. You're going to want a second mm -hmm. camera. Um, and yeah. so that's why it's like, once you get to that $2,000 range, you start worrying about everything else besides the camera, at least you should. It makes no mm -hmm. sense to own a $7,000 camera and not own audio equipment, not own lighting gear, you know, not, not own yeah. a, a solid tripod and, you know, the list goes on. So, um, and I think that's one of the, the exciting things about production and, and there's so many things to consider. It's, there's always, I'm still learning. There's so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that brings us to our second segment. What's in the bag? Ooh. So here's the, the I situation. Love I love this. So you have to work out of a backpack for the next year. Okay. What are the top five things you put in this backpack and why did you choose them? So you can like your, your small things like uh, cables and hard drives. Those are included. That, you don't batteries, to, all to that. Talk about yeah, yeah, batteries. Like the small accessories like that, but gimbals, that kind of stuff's not included. Gotcha. I would say I would want a small gimbal. So like the Ronin-S. Um, okay. Uh, you know, or, or Xeon Crane's equivalent. Um, I would want either the Sony A7 S3 and the mm -hmm. 24-70 G Master lens or Canon's equivalent of that, which I think is the, what is that, the R6? Or yeah. The R, yeah, R6 yeah, that just came out. Yeah. That's the one that just came out. They, got yeah. the, they have the R5, but I think that's, I don't like that yeah. camera. It, that's the one that mm -hmm. shoots 8K, but it also has so many problems. They, they, I'm going to buy the second generation of that one, but not yet. Yeah. The yeah, R6. Okay. I'll probably get the yeah. R6 and then the 24-70 with that. So, that's my camera, my lens, my gimbal. I would That's buy, um, I get five, right? Yeah, you get five. So you have two more. Okay, perfect. I would get a on-camera shotgun. Oh, no, gosh. Oh, I can't get six. Nah. Yeah, this, is, okay. this, is, this one's going to be hard because you have to decide now, like, what's the most important thing? Because you're also doing talking heads. Yeah, I got to have a light. I would say, I would pick something that has a soft a soft source. I wouldn't bother picking a hard light. I know a lot of people want to do, do like the aperture um, mm -hmm. 120D and stuff like that, which I guess you could. I mean, am I supposed to talk about all the these individual accessories or just say light? You can, I mean, you can say what light? Man, this game is brutal. What fits in my bag? Yeah. Oh, I need a bigger bag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really, I really want to pick six things, but I know I can't. What's in my bag? We've got uh, a small gimbal. We've got a camera and we've got a lens. Um, I'm going to say some sort of LED panel um, just because it's it's small. Hopefully you can, it, you know, it's get one that's soft, like got a soft light to it so it's not too harsh. And then, shoot, dude, I'm torn. <laughs> what is it? You're, well, you're going to be disappointed on me too. It's, I, I, I am? I'm, I'm, yeah, because I skimped on audio. I'm like, ah. Oh, yeah, of course you did. <laughs> I like, this is going to be very short talking head videos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I like... Do I go with a shotgun or do I go with the lav? That's, I'm torn. I'm going, I'm leaning into the lav because most of the time, honestly, when I'm doing running gun, if I'm, if, if we're still sitting down, I'll, I use a lav and it sounds yeah. better. Um, cause I've, I've okay. done a lot of stuff where I'll, I'll set up a boom overhead and, and sometimes you just don't get the time, um, mm -hmm. to have that. And the audio sometimes doesn't sound as good just cause I, I don't know. I really like a lav. Um, so you've got four. I'm going to lav, lav light, um, 24 to 70. Sony A7S3 and some sort of gimbal. Nice. That's that's uh, great. You got all five. I'm, I know that was pretty hard to choose between those, but I think you did well. That's a good kit. Oh, gosh. No, I'm going <laughs> to take it back. No, I'm going to take that's it back. That's the problem. I got to no, take it back. Can't. Oh, my I can't. gosh. I'm going to go with shotgun. 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 
Shotgun? Sh- no lab. Shotgun? Okay. Yeah. Well, because I don't have a tripod. Uh, 416? I don't have okay, a tripod. Yeah, yeah. So how am I supposed yeah. to run my lab into it? Like it just… I guess yeah. you just mount it on the camera. But, right. Yeah. I mean okay, I could get cool, a whole cool, bunch cool. of books and put, <laughs> put the camera on a bunch of books <laughs> so that I don't have a tripod. <laughs> oh my gosh. But oh I need gosh, I need the funny. gimbal though. Like it's just if a… Yeah. It's the best. It's the well, most versatile tool. Well, they have those tool. those gimbals that are monopods, right? Yeah, I mean, that, I'll still have are, to set it down on on some on a table or something. Yeah. Uh, but like, I wouldn't want to run a lav plugged straight into camera to to somebody's body. Yeah. If it was okay. a wireless lav, I could do it. Can I, oh, wireless lav. There we go. There. That doesn't count. That doesn't count because then you have to have the transmitter and receiver. Could so I count the mic? The, the mic is the mic's the accessory. Oh, no. I'm, I, as no. an audio person, I'm very offended. <laughs> <laughs> you can you cannot call a all microphone right, right, an accessory. Right. I go back to it's not happening. Sh- sh- shotgun, <laughs> shotgun gimbal, shotgun okay, lens, cool, cool. And camera. Done. Gotcha. Uh, small, small light. That's a great bag, man. I like that bag. Uh, well, that was what's in the bag. Sorry for ruining your games. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so people getting into video production. What's your advice to start? This is a big question, but I feel like a lot of people who have just listened to you who are maybe trying to get into it how you did are probably a little bit overwhelmed with all of the gear. What do you think is like the most important way to just kind of get going into it? Yeah, that's a great question. It's funny. I I still find myself asking that now because a lot of people specialize in one thing mm-hmm. and they just keep going. Um, which I kind of have. I've started like finding my niches of what I really love to do, right? Like I said, I do do music videos um, and I do, you know, highlight videos and, and like I'm, I'm definitely narrowing in what I do, but I don't want to stay there. I, w- I want to do more theatrical film, you know? I want to tell other stories. That's a whole different medium. So I'm constantly asking myself as I go and reach out into new areas, I'm a newbie in this other area. So it's like, well, how do I get started? How do I motivate myself? And I got to remind myself, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing I did when I said I wanted to start taking photos or wanted, you know, I wanted to shoot your wedding, which I had never shot anything before I shot your wedding, which is you just got to do it. You just got to go out there and do it. There's nothing, there's no cheat code around, like go do something. That's why I tell people start with your cell phone. Don't invest money until you actually start shooting and know you're going to do it. It's like, why pay for a gym membership if you're not even going to wake up and do some push-ups on the side of the bed, like prove to yourself yeah. that you're actually going to get up and do something. And because the tool, that's all it is. It's a tool that will help you do that job better, but you, you have access to a camera. That's all you need. There's one mm-hmm. on your phone. And, and even if you, like let's say you have no budget, you probably have a cell phone with a camera on it. Shoot with that. Yeah. Like start, literally start there. Because there's so many other things besides the camera you got to learn. You got to learn lighting. You got to learn composition. You got to learn how to edit. Um, you got to learn how to storytell. So, yeah, I mean, literally, just do it. Just you want to shoot a music video? Look up a bunch of to look up a bunch of tutorials. Do the best you can. Research. Learn as much as you can about that particular thing, and then do it. That's what I did. I when <laughs> so basically what happened is you're. Your mom approached me. She's like, oh, can you shoot video for the wedding? I was like, well, I could do photos. Like, we already have a photographer, but we don't have a videographer. I was like, well, I, I've never done that. She's like, well, can you help us out? I was like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, just when, when's the wedding? I was like, two weeks from now. I was like, okay, cool. I did. I, I, I reached out to friends who I knew who did weddings. I, I went online. I just looked up a bunch of stuff. I, I set up the camera 
and I didn't like have a practice wedding or anything, but like I, I yeah. practiced the settings to make sure I, I got as much as I could. I rented out a couple cameras so that I had a multicam setup and like, and I just did it, you know? And I mean, you're so wonderful not to chew me out and say that was a terrible video. Um, you know, like <laughs> it came out, it came out okay. But that's the thing is yeah, like, no, I just, it, I just mean, did for it. Your, honestly, I didn't realize that that was the first time. I, like looking at it, I was like, oh, this is good because I hadn't seen your video before. Like I had seen a lot of your pictures because we had been together like a lot of the time when you were taking pictures too, but I hadn't really seen it. So uh, I didn't know what it was going to be, but it turned out really, really great. I was like, I didn't realize this is your first time actually <laughs> was my doing first video, this until you told me. Yeah. yeah. I was, was so kinda, nervous. It's kind of nuts. I feel, I feel really, I've said honored like 50 times, but being kind of your like foray into video production is is pretty special. I feel uh, I'm pretty thankful to have been able to to be there during that. Yeah, dude. I mean, honestly, you that opportunity changed and started me on a whole new career. Like, you know, I've been able to work with really big brands since then. I've done stuff for Puma and Adidas and yeah, you're. I mean, even just from then too, looking at what you do now in video is just kind of mind-blowing. It's been pretty awesome watching your evolution of that, like where you were and then where you are now. It's kind of crazy. Thanks, man. Yeah, I I look back and I think that's been just the key thing is just, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to put yourself in a bad situation and say yes to something and then, you know, let down a client and be terrible, but you can't be afraid to say yes to yourself. Like, yes, I can do mm -hmm. it and go out there and do it. Uh, and And you know, that's, that's one of the other things you want to start making work. You can't do it until you have examples, you know, so you got to do free, free yeah. work for sure. I, I wouldn't, don't let people take advantage of you, but you know, start with a friend yeah. and just be like, Hey, can I shoot this thing for you? And, uh, you never know where it's going to lead, you know, like maybe shoot a wedding. And then next thing you know, yeah. you're shooting commercials <laughs> four years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, it's crazy. But what, when do you think it's like appropriate to start charging for your services? That is a very good question. You can start charging for money sooner than you think. Um, and because the whole thing is subjective, you know, uh, there are plenty of mm -hmm. people, you know, I feel like I've brought up the wedding thing so many times. Um, but actually for, <laughs> for my wedding, uh, when we were looking for a videographer, you know, most of the people I work with they're shooting commercials, they're shooting music videos and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I, I was like, I want somebody who specializes in wedding videos. And I went online, I was looking for different people. And I saw people, they were charging so much money, like five, $6,000 yeah. and they weren't any good. I'd see mm -hmm. other people that were, they were charging half that, you know, they charge $2,000 and their work, I could tell, cause I know about cameras. I'm like, oh, you, your, yeah. ca your camera's not as nice, but you know how mm -hmm. to tell a story. To me, that was worth more. And so yeah. when I was shopping around as a client, which was really interesting for me, right? Like being on the other end, looking to try to hire somebody to do video for me. There's, It's all about subjective. I saw all kinds of people putting all kinds of prices on their, their work. So you got to ask yourself like what, what your time is worth and figure that out for yourself. Especially if you're like, oh, I have a full-time job but I want to do this thing full time. How much money do you need to make to make it make sure that it makes sense? Because like yeah. we got to be realistic. Mm -hmm. I want people to pursue their dreams, but you also got to be able to pay your bills. I don't want you to be living yeah. out of your car. So it's it's definitely a tough thing to do. But I would say you have to do a couple jobs for free for sure. Yeah, um, you can't expect to have never done 
that thing mm-hmm. ever before and immediately get paid. I don't know how many. I, like, I think that comes, comes down to your skill level. I think too, like when you're working for free, you're given a lot of leeway to make mistakes and learn. And when you start knowing all of your gear really well and are making less mistakes, I feel like that's a good starting place to be like, okay, now I know the product that I can deliver. I know that it's definitely worth this. And I don't need to do this. I have the uh, opportunity to make mistakes anymore because, I mean, you'll still always make mistakes. But I think that when you get to the place where you feel a lot more comfortable in your shoes, you can start saying, you know, now that I know that this is a product that I can provide and this is a service that I can uh, provide too, this is what I'm worth and I can start, you know, incrementing it as I as I get better and as my gear gets better and what I'm, you know, charging for that. So the question is, when do I start charging for my work? And the hard mm-hmm. thing is, is so many of us are artists. So yeah. you can't base it off of, I'm at a place where I like, because that target's constantly moving. I almost think it's better to shoot, shoot a few projects if you show those projects to people, not your family, not your boyfriend, girlfriend, not a friend, but you know, if you can show it to a, a non-biased person and they go, that was good. I wouldn't pay $2,000 for it, but I'd pay 200. The last 200 you didn't have yesterday. You know, mm-hmm. that's 200. Yeah. You can, your, your work. Now, granted, there's always going to be people who take advantage of that, but I think that's a starting mm-hmm. point to know yeah. your end product. Like even your wedding video, which was the first video I ever shot. In hindsight, I look at that, I'm like, I could have charged two or $300 for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really could have. I, yeah. w- I don't think it would have been wise because going back to what you said, I didn't have confidence at all. I had no idea it was my mm-hmm. first one. So yeah, shoot a couple just so you start getting a rhythm there. But a good sign is if people are willing to pay you, if they're asking what your rates are, your work's good enough to start. That's a great point. Yeah, if people are asking your rate, that's a great place to start because we're talking about a lot of technical things and gear, which is also very technical and requires technical knowledge. But at the end of the day, a lot of what we're doing is art and art is subjective. Like what do you pay for a painting that's like $10 million versus like something somebody just like threw paint onto a canvas. At the end of the day, art is worth what people are willing to pay for it. And obviously there's like standardization in our industries and we're like, oh, we know what a good vocal sounds like or we know what a good video looks like. But at the end of the day, it's what the person is willing to pay for you based on your experience, your knowledge base, your use of the gear, your previous. I mean, the experience, I think, is a lot of it. People want to know that their art that you're capturing or that you're producing is going to be safe. So I think peace of mind helps people feel a lot more comfortable with starting to pay and for you being able to charge. Yeah. Just to start, yeah. to find out if people are willing to pay for it. And then you know Focus how much, that. yeah. how much that's that's a lot harder question. How much to yeah, charge. That is. But that's we can say that for another there's, time. I mean there's <laughs> standard there's standard industry rates and stuff and you know it's but that that varies so widely, you know. Oh it's yeah. It's really, really hard to put that down. But I think you're right about focus testing and finding out what people are willing to pay for it. I think that's yeah. You know, a great, some great advice. So I guess a question that I was really curious about since the beginning of this is, what are you excited about right now? Is there any gear that's got you extremely excited? Oh, man. Gear is, gear is dangerous. Oh. It is. Yeah. That's why we're here. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's addicting. There's so much, there's constantly new stuff coming out that I'm excited about. 
Um, mm. I actually sometimes I have to put the blinders on. So right now yeah. I, I have I have the blinders on for sure because I've just bought the red. So I'm everything is about yeah. my my red camera. And I like just to talk about that a little bit. The reason why I I pull the trigger on this specific one because I've I've rented red for for projects in the past. This one is yeah. sig- significantly cheaper. So usually once you kit it out, so you you can actually use it. You're talking at least fifteen, at least fifteen. Mm. Um, and that that was the Raven, which was not a very good camera. So really, in my my brain, I I wrote that camera off. Really, you're looking at yeah. you need to spend twenty thousand plus just to get going in, with a decent red camera. Um, this camera is very similar to what those other cameras are capable of. There's some differences, but it's at half the price. You know, it's for for seven seven thousand dollars. This camera is amazing. Um, it's smaller, so it can go on the like. If you want to put it on a Ronin S, you can do that. You couldn't do that with these other Reds. Not practically. You'll see people on Instagram yeah. doing it, but like on an actual job, people aren't doing that. Mm. You can. It's just so much smaller. It's perfect for if you want to use it for drones or anything like that. It's got the dynamic range. It's got the raw built in. It's 6K. It, and of course, you know, that brand recognition. I can walk on set and yeah. be like, oh yeah, no, I, I didn't just rent this. I own it. I own a Red now. So mm-hmm. it, I'm definitely very excited about it. Um, but specs-wise, it's actually not the most exciting thing that's coming out right now. We we just had the um, Black Magic Ursa Mini Pro Two, I believe it is, shooting 12K bananas. Holy yeah, smokes! That's what? That's crazy. <laughs> what? That's insane. I don't know of another yeah. ca- camera that shoots 12K. There there might be, but I I don't know of another mm-hmm. one. Uh, and that was one of the big selling points for Red was, ooh, Red does 8K. Nobody else can touch us. Uh, 8K is not impressive anymore, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> move on, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we set the bar. Not that resolution is yeah. the most important thing. I think there's you'll mm-hmm. start hearing that. The more videographers you talk to, you go, yeah, I don't even care about 4K because television is mm-hmm. still still 1080P. There's a lot of things. I feel like we're we're just now getting to a place where 4K is like, oh, now we need it because YouTube does 4K. Yeah, YouTube and does 4K. Yeah. I think Netflix does 4K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I that's think they do. yeah. I think that's pretty much those are the the main ones that are outputting at 4K. But a lot of a lot of places still aren't. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, not that res- resolution is the most important thing, but there are certain places where, like, especially if you're going back in, you're doing a lot of green screen work and and stuff like that. Like, you, you imagine for Avengers. And you have the ability, and every everything in that is fake except for the lead actors. It's all green screen for the most part. Yeah. When you have high resolution like that, it's just so much more information to play with. It's like the difference between shooting JPEG and RAW. Like, there's just mm. so much for photos. Like, there's so much more information when you have 12K. I can't even, I can't mentally process it. I don't know how the camera processes it. Like, that's so much information. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so the, com- the red Komodo is is the red one Komodo. that you have, mm-hmm. uh, and you mentioned the Ursa Mini. Is there anything that's that's small that you're you know pretty interested in now? Um, well, I mean, that's why I went with the red Komodo. It's literally Komodo is is a dragon, right? But it's yeah. small compared to uh, fake dragons, and that they call it the baby dragon. That's to me why that that red is so so important. Is it's taking mm-hmm. everything from a larger production and it made it compact, cheaper, and in many ways on par. So I definitely think that's one of, that answers everything that you just asked for. That's why, why I bought the red. Yeah. Uh, but if we're okay. talking, if we want to bring that down to where I think everybody else is probably at, most people aren't looking at Spain, you know, buying a cinema mm-hmm. camera. They're not ready for that budget. Um, yeah. I'm really torn between the two cameras that um, Sony and Canon just announced. The, yeah. the R- 
six? five. Well, the R5 and R6 from Canon mm-hmm. are really interesting to me. Um, and then Sony with the A7S three. Those cameras are, they're all incredible. Canon sounds really cool because it's, to have something so small and so discreet that can shoot 8K is nuts. Because that's the other thing, like permits. Yeah. Permits is one of those things, like a lot of times you just don't want to pay for a permit and have it all set up. Yeah. You just want to run and gun and shoot it real mm-hmm. quick. Um, and, you know, you were talking about what fits in our backpack. That fits in your backpack really well. I mean, they're small, powerful cameras. Um, so I think Canon did some really good stuff there. I don't have a lot of confidence in it, just hearing all the reviews as far as it's just not the most practical thing. Like there's mm-hmm. time recording yeah. limits because it overheats. It's a lot where Sony was four years ago. Sony put out some amazing cameras, but the battery life was terrible and it would overheat. And I mean, that was a real problem. I'd be on set and there was mm-hmm. one shoot I did outside. We probably spent half of our time just waiting for the camera to cool down. It was, I was embarrassed. Dang. Um, yeah. yeah. And so like, <sighs> I never want to get stuck in that position again. And so when I hear these cameras, I'm like, I'm excited about them, but I'm torn because it's so much processing power happening in a little tiny camera. So anyways, I'm excited about it, but it's like, I, I don't think I would buy it. Whereas mm-hmm. with Sony, what's, to me, Sony just refined what they've been working on for the past five years. That And that's the same thing. Like, Don't take my word for it if you want. Look on look online. Anybody who's using the Sony a7S III, it had all these, the older models had all these great selling points as far as you know, good autofocus on low light. And it, there was a lot of great things. But then there was a list of problems that were terrible. And Sony fixed every problem with the camera. Yeah. Every problem mm-hmm. I've ever had, like the battery life is better. The, the screen, if you're a vlogger, or you, you know, if that's important to you, you want to be able to flip the screen around. It has a flip screen. It doesn't overheat. It won't over, overheat at all. And it's like, well, it only shoots 4K. It's like, but most people don't need more than 4K right now, especially if your yeah. budget, if your budget is going to be under $5,000, why are you worrying about it? But also, this is so normal with gear. You can always justify gear by going, oh, it has this cool new feature. And you're like, yeah, but do you need that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, can't you also just do this other thing? And you're like, yeah, but it would be nice. So it's it like- It would be so cool. It would be so cool if I could shoot in 12K. <laughs> yeah. But um, honestly, like it's- Yeah, for, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's why when I look at the Canon with the 8K, the 8K is not nearly as important when I look at all the shortcomings with the overheating and everything. Versus I look mm-hmm. at the Sony where it's like, it shoots 4K, but the dynamic range and the color and the battery life and, and everything about it, it's so refined that every time I read the specs or like I haven't actually held it in my hands yet, but every mm-hmm. review I've seen on it, I'm like, there's nothing wrong. It's the closest thing I've seen to a perfect camera that's under $3,000. Well, I guess it's over, not under, under, under 4,000 because it's three and a half. It's three and a half thousand. Yeah, that is exciting. So I guess this brings us to our last segment. Well, it depends. <laughs> I've been saying that this whole time. I, like, yeah, <laughs> honestly, that's the reason for this segment is like, we talk about that all the time. Someone's like, what's the best camera? Well, oh, for what? What's the best microphone? Well, for what? So the, the, <laughs> this is going to be a lightning round for you. Okay. Um, and so it's based on that, that idea. It's like some gear is better for certain situations than others. Uh, so I'm just going to ask you five quick questions about the gear that you'd pick in different situations. So I'm going to give you a, a, a um, I'm going to give you a, a type of gear, and then I'm going to give you basically like the use case, so like a shoot type. Okay. And then you're going to tell me really, really quickly <laughs> what. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to break <laughs> the rules. Extremely fast. Uh huh. Yeah, he's going to break this one too. We're going three for three. Here we go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's the first one. Camera for product videos. Uh, Sony A7S 3 A7S 3 Lighting kit for a music video. Lighting Industrial. Kit. Let's do uh, Astera. 
We're going to okay. go with the Astera lights, the RGB. Nice. So monitor for documentary. You're taking oh. this with you. This is, you have to fly with this. Ninja 5. Shogun. Lens for a concert or event. You're going uh, everywhere from side stage to, to like front of house. Probably going to go with Sony G Master 24 to 70. Gimbal, nature video. Yeah, I'd probably just do the, the Ronin, Ronin S. The Ronin S? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, you, that, that was it. You did uh, that a lot faster than the other ones. I did, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like those answers. Those are really cool. Yeah. So uh, tell people a little bit about your uh, production company. Tell them about where people can find you on the internet. Yeah. Uh, you can find me online at colevisualproductions.com. And uh, yeah, my production company, we do a little bit of everything. My, I always tell people we like to start with... <laughs> actually, this reflects everything about this entire, <laughs> this entire podcast. We like to start with our client. We, we want to get to know who you are and what it is that you, you need um, to the finest detail. And then you know, we build it out from there. So we, we do music videos. We do uh, dance visuals. Um, we'll do events uh, as far as like recap videos and, and capturing all of that. So uh, anything that we can do to help push your brand forward, we want to know what your brand is and, and, and kind of create a campaign for that. So um, yeah, we shoot all, all kinds of stuff. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. That's at Cole Visuals, but the website's colevisualproductions.com. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for coming on. I'm excited. This was, this was a great episode. It's always awesome talking to you. Yeah, thanks, man. What a great conversation. I am so encouraged and energized after talking with Chris, and I hope you are too. We are all massive gearheads here because it helps enable us to do the things we love. But the most important thing is to do the thing regardless of the gear that you have. So please join me this week. Make the thing. We want to see it. We want to hear it. You can tell us all about what you're working on at our Instagram, gear for you Pod. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. We would love to have you as a part of our gear for you community Until next time, we're Gear4You.